What is up, my dudes? What is up, my dudettes? It's the Casey's Corner Podcast. Broadcasting live from our under-the-carport studios in Cutoff, Louisiana. You can hear the rain vibrating off of the carport. I look to my right and I see nothing but a bayou of rainwater that has fallen here in Lafouche Parish in the last 24 hours. Look to my left and see nothing but a ditch that is filled with water to the brim. It has been wet and rainy here in Lafouche Parish. Hope everybody's staying dry. Hope everybody's staying safe. Hope everybody is socially distancing. All that good stuff. We're going to talk about all that and more here in the next, oh, uh, I usually say an hour, but these shows have gotten a bit longer. Oh, in the next 90 minutes or so. Uh, in this show, we're going to have Lafouche Parish President Archie Chasson on the line. Archie's going to, that's a pre-recorded interview. Archie's going to talk to us about um, some of the things that have happened in Lafouche Parish today with the flash flooding. He's going to talk to us about Lafouche Parish's COVID-19 fight. He's going to talk to us about some other things that are going on in Lafouche, sales tax revenues, what the start of school may look like, uh, hurricane season preparedness, and some of those other things that are going on in the world of parish government. Archie was wonderful today. He always is so transparent, so open with us, gave us a lot of great information. So we thank him so much for that. Then later in the show, we're going to have some sports talk, as we always do. South Lafouche football coach BJ Young will be on the line. I think BJ is actually our first repeat guest here on the Casey's Corner podcast. South Lafouche is getting ready for what we hope is going to be a fall football season. We're going to talk to BJ about some things going on in the world of tarpon land. Um, it's a busy time for everybody right now, um, and especially in the world of sports with Phase 2 now being extended. We're going to lead off the show with some COVID-19 talk. I'll give you all the latest numbers and some different things that I'm seeing. Then we'll have Archie, then we'll have BJ, then we'll end with a sports segment. Uh, and at the end of our COVID segment, at the end of our sports segment, both will have a Q&A. We'll talk and take some of your questions and answers. I know you guys like the Q&As, so we'll do that here twice during this Casey's Corner podcast. But we dive right in to some of the COVID-19 data. The state of Louisiana now reports 52,477 total coronavirus cases in the state. That number is up by almost 900 from day to day. Our numbers are beginning to grow, folks. We are seeing more total cases day by day. Um, we'll talk about some things that I'm observing here in just a minute. Our death total in Louisiana is 3,039. Um, one interesting number, and I, I tell you guys this all of the time, the only, the only numbers right now that are relevant towards economic reopening are hospitalization numbers. Those numbers had been going up, up, up. Today they went down slightly. We dropped from in the 640s in terms of hospitalizations down to 631. Our ventilator use dropped from 83 back down to 77. So that's a really good new sign. That's a really good sign that, uh, here's the thing, uh, and, and we'll talk about a lot here in this COVID segment because there's a lot of different angles that we could tackle. But whenever we were growing exponentially in the beginning, there was no day or two where it would go down or where it would stay the same. It was exponential. It was up, 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 and it was going up by more in day two than it did in day one. We're not seeing that. You know, we're seeing maybe 15 or 20 more hospitalizations a day. We're seeing maybe two or three more ventilators a day. But then the next day, it'll go down by four or five. And then you know, the next day, it'll go up a little bit more. We're not seeing that exponential growth that we saw early in the pandemic which is great news. That means that I think we're going to avoid 
a huge surge. We're going to avoid a huge second wave. And I don't think we're going to have to go backward in our reopening efforts. I think maybe we'll stay in neutral for a little while longer, but I don't think we're going to have to go backward. And, uh, and that's just kind of where we are. In Lafourche Parish, we currently are having or reporting from the state of Louisiana, as I pull up my trusty map, 1,056 total COVID cases. Don't believe that number as gospel. Uh, that number is inaccurate. Um, but the state is continuing to see more and more new cases, uh, just like the parish is continuing to see more and more new cases. Our testing has ramped up. We have now completed do my loose math here, almost 650,000 tests for the entire state for COVID-19. Our testing has ramped up drastically. Uh, our percent positive in terms of how many tests per day are coming back positive. Today, that was 7%. That's been, the federal government says you gotta stay below 10%. We've been pretty consistent here in the last couple of days, staying with that number, staying pretty consistent around the seven, eight nine percent range so that's another good sign that things aren't drastically getting worse um so why are we staying in phase two and more importantly do do i support the decision to stay in phase two for the time being yeah i do um i was you guys that listen regularly there's no one you know maybe in the in the state that is more reopen 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 than me but when you're reporting on this data every single day and every single day the data is going down 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 and then you get a surge of about seven to ten days where it starts to slowly trend up 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 you got to be careful man you got to be cautious you got to make sure that that things are going back in in your direction that you have control over this because the thing that we learned about march was that small losses with a pandemic virus can become big losses in a not um in, in no time I remember we, we went from just having 10 to 12 cases a day as a state, and then before long, in the next couple of weeks, that, that was becoming thousands. So we had to you know examine the data and ensure that these small setbacks are truly just small setbacks, and they're not anything more. And I think that as time has gone on here in the last couple of days, um, we're seeing that that is the case. This is just a hiccup. This is not a levy breaking this is just a hiccup and i think that we're going to get this thing back under control and i don't know that the numbers are going to continue to drop per se but i don't think they're going to drastically rise i think that we're firmly in a plateau maybe the plateau does tilt downward a little bit and the numbers do decrease quite a bit more maybe the plateau tilts upward a little bit and the numbers may increase a little bit more but we're not going to see a rapid change in either direction i don't think and um do I support another 28 days of phase two? Maybe that might've been a little bit drastic, but look, the governor and Archie talked about this in his interview as well. The governor doesn't have to, you know, stick with this declaration for 28 days. If in 10 days, things are drastically better, then, you know, it could be altered, it could be changed, it could be adjusted, whatever it may be. But to be cautious, to be safe, uh, I think it was the wise decision to make. And now it's up to us, the people of Louisiana, the people of Lafourche, to take the right precautions, to refocus our efforts, to refocus our energies, and to do a better job of getting this thing out of the door. And, uh, you know, we all deserve some of the blame. We all deserve some of the blame, me included. I used to do these, you know, COVID-19 updates out front, the beginning, the first thing we talked about in the show. I started to bury them in the back. 
Um, that's that's my bad. I started to take this for granted. I'm part of the problem. I don't always wear my mask in public. I'm trying to now. I don't always wear my mask in public. I'm part of the problem. Governor Edwards, part of the problem. He used to do a COVID briefing almost every day. The last time that he, or two, two press conferences ago was his first COVID update in nine days. He was starting to take this for granted. He was starting to take our progress for granted. And, you know, that's the, the general message is that it's not any one person's fault. We all could take our right hand right now, lift it up above our head and pat ourselves on the back because we all have a little bit of blame for this. Every one of us. It's not a huge blame, but it's a small blame. And the reason why I explain it this way is because if we then now reverse that and we all just do just a little bit better, then we're going to have 100% of a better outcome. We control this fight as people. We control this fight as citizens, as residents, as, as moms and dads and brothers and sons. And it's up to us to take care of our neighbors. It's up to us to take care of our relatives. And if we all just do that little bit more, I know it sucks, man. I know it sucks staying cooped up. I would love to be recording this podcast from an actual studio, from our actual work office. I'm doing it from under a damn carport in, car, in Cutoff, Louisiana, while rain is falling on me. But that's because I'm being cautious, and I, I know that I could physically do it from here, so I'm not going to take any chances. And if we all would just continue to commit to making those small little sacrifices, we would be so much better and would have so much of a better outcome. In Lafouche Parish, I gave you those numbers. One thing I wanted to talk about, and this is eye-opening. I'll talk about this, and then I'll give you your question. I'll get to your questions. Um, I did a lot of number crunching yesterday, like all day long number crunching. And the thing that stuck out to me most, and I'm going to talk about this, and people may disagree. People may think I'm crazy. People may think that I'm off my rocker. I'm literally sitting on a rocker. <laughs> but... Um, we don't have a COVID-19 problem in the state of Louisiana. Now, I'm going to let that resonate. You guys are now all back on your heels and are saying, Casey, what are you talking about? We don't have a COVID-19 problem in the state of Louisiana. We don't. The problem that we have in the state of Louisiana is that we have an everything else problem in the state of Louisiana. We have an obesity problem. We have a high blood pressure problem. We have a kidney disease problem. We have a cardiovascular disease problem. We have a cancer problem. We have every single other problem in the entire medical field besides for COVID. And here's what I mean. You hear the numbers and the data and you see the hospitalization numbers and you see the betting numbers and you see that, oh, we don't have a whole lot of room in our hospitals. We've got to keep this under control. And those numbers are 100% accurate. But do you guys realize the reason why those numbers are accurate? It's because even in regular times, we don't have room in our hospitals because we're made of lard, we're stuffed with cheese, we're woefully out of shape. And again, just like with the COVID thing when I was challenging everybody to do better, I'm not blaming any individual person. If you're listening to this and you're overweight, you're listening to this and you don't exercise regularly, I'm not blaming you. I'm sharing the blame with you. I'm telling you now, I need to do better as well. As a collective whole, we've got to exercise more. We've got to be active more. If you're listening to this and you're saying, man, I'm 320 pounds, I can't run, then walk. And if you're listening to this and saying, man, if I walk for five minutes in this Louisiana heat, I'm going to pass out, then walk for four minutes. 
And then if you walk for four minutes long enough, I promise you, you're going to be able to extend that and you're going to be able to walk for 10 minutes, then 15 minutes, then 20 minutes. Then you maybe are going to lose 15, 20 pounds and might be able to jog for a few minutes. As a whole, we've got to do better. There are 9,000 people in the state of Louisiana right now who are hospitalized. And I get it. Some of it is elective surgeries that are now resuming that we're not otherwise going off as scheduled. So that number may be a little bit inflated. But the data goes back that the state is giving us, goes back to the beginning of the pandemic. We have far too many people hospitalized in regular times. 7% of our hospitalizations right now as a state are COVID related. Imagine that in the middle of a pandemic, 7% of our hospitalizations are due to the actual pandemic itself. In the middle of a damn pandemic, 7%. So that means that 93% of our hospitalizations are for other stuff. Heart disease, cancer, diabetes, dialysis, kidney disease, whatever it may be, 93% of our state hospitalizations have nothing to do with COVID-19. We're woefully unhealthy, y'all. We've got to do better. Laissez le bon temps rouler. It's great. Let the, let the good times roll. Let's go party. Let's drink. Let's fry everything. There's got to be moderation. There's got to be balance. And we've got to commit to being more active. Because when I looked at those numbers, the reason why we're, we don't have room in our hospitals or the reason why we're at risk of running out of room in our hospitals if our COVID situation changes, it has nothing to do with the COVID itself. It has to do with us because we have abandoned our health and we have become a state that is so woefully unhealthy that even in regular times, our hospitals are more full than what they need to be. And that's a shame. That's a shame. We've got to do better than that. I don't know how. I don't know where to start, but we've got to do better than that. I ran for 20 minutes yesterday. I used to run 30 minutes every day. I had slacked off. I said, you know what? I'm not going to do 30. I don't want to you know, beat myself to death. I'm going to do 20. And I've got to do more. I'm going to, I'm going to start walking again. We, 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 it, it just has to be better. Because... It's not coronavirus's fault that our hospitals are always full. It's not coronavirus's fault that we don't have room in our hospitals, um, even just in regular times. It's not coronavirus's fault that you know our, our state's health is as poor as it is. So please, I urge you, uh, commit to doing better. I'm going to do my part. Do your part. If we could all lose five, ten pounds, I promise you, we'll be healthier for it. If we could all lose even more than that, we'd be healthier for it. And more important than physically losing weight, just be active. Get your heart pumping. Move around. Get that heart rate up. Train your heart to handle strenuous times because, man, that, that was just eye-opening to me, the fact that we have 631 people hospitalized right now, and there are 8,400 others who are hospitalized that don't even have COVID at all. We've... Uh, that's that's such a oh my god it just gives me goosebumps even think about that's such a a a bad ratio we've got to flip that around we've got to be healthier and we've got to create bedding and create room in our hospitals naturally just by being healthier as a whole so we're going to get to your questions now we thank you guys so much for listening go find us on itunes i tell you that every show type casey's corner into your itunes podcast store we'll send you every episode straight to your phone you won't have to do anything after that takes all the work out of your hands our first question from our readers, how much longer will we be in phase two at the, um, at the maximum and barring you know setbacks 28 days, the new order is written for 28 days. There is some wiggle room there. If we make drastic progress, it could be shorter. If we regress, it could, could, it could extend farther. 
Uh, but 28 days is how long the new order has been written. And that's 28 days from Friday. So you figure we're Wednesday now. So it's actually 30 more days from when the order is going to be signed, which is on Friday. Number two, will phase two impact our voting ability? Great question. Uh, very topical question. I know this is in the news and everything. And people are talking about this and are concerned about this. It will not impact your voting ability. We're still going to have in-person voting. Um, we're still going to, which brings up another point. Early voting is going on right now for the district state representative district 54 race uh, for you know, school board and our presidential primaries. Just go early vote, man. Early voting started on June 20th and ends on July the 4th. Um, there are not big long lines. If you're worried about coronavirus, just go at your at your convenience. If you see there are parked on the outside of the building and, and you're concerned about a lot of people inside, just wait in your car till you feel it's safe. Wear your mask. Um, I promise that's a more efficient way than waiting for the ballot. Early vote. Take advantage of that opportunity. Um, but, but to answer your question, barring some type of setback, no, we are still voting in person. And early voting is, is currently ongoing right now. Number three, what regions are having the most issues in the state of Louisiana? I could tell you right now, pull up the maps, region four, which is the Lafayette area. They're seeing a, a surge in hospitalizations. Um, so their data has not been great. Region six, central Louisiana, their hospitalizations data has not been great. Region seven, Shreveport, Bossier, their hospitalizations data has not been great. Um, so four, five, seven, um, our area has been doing strong. Um, we had on June the 1st, we had 25 people hospitalized with COVID. That's now down to 14. It's actually up three from yesterday. It was 11 yesterday. So our numbers are 14 hospitalized, one person on ventilators. One person, you know, this isn't, and again, I'm not trying to downplay the virus, I'm not. Uh, but there's one person on, on a ventilator for COVID in a six parish radius right now, which encompasses us, Terrebonne, Assumption, St. Mary, St. Charles, actually seven parishes, St. James and St. John the Baptist. So man, pat yourself on the back because what we're doing is working. At the peak of the pandemic, there were, let's see, 34 ventilators employed with with covid patients at the peak of the pandemic there were 132 patients hospitalized in our region that was on april 11th now today june 24th there's 14 patients hospitalized so the progress has been marked our region is by and large handling this thing well um but the regions that i told you acadia central louisiana uh, shreveport those areas are having some of the biggest problems question number four what, what would phase two mean for our school systems? Um, that's a great question. I'm gonna try to have Jared Martin on sometime in the next couple of episodes to explain to us exactly what that answer is going to be. Um, I know that in, even if we stay in phase two, which is what your question is asking, schools could open. That's the reason why we're having athletic training on the campuses right now. Schools are able to open in phase two. Um, now what classes would look like? I don't think that classes are going to really be impacted either way. Um, wait, let me rephrase that. I said that all wrong. I don't think that the phase is going to impact um, restrictions. I think there's going to be restrictions regardless of the phase that we're in. There's going to be precautions that are going to be taken regardless of the phase that we're in. We're going to see more social distancing. Older students may be asked to wear masks. Uh, students are going to be segregated and separated more 
Um, there's not going to be large group you know, gatherings. Maybe recesses are going to be condensed. They're going to do some things differently. Um, I read, you know, that maybe there's going to be a push to take textbooks online and, you know, students maybe get, you know, some type of electronic device to read their textbooks as opposed to same, the same students touching the same books in the same supplies and, you know, desks are going to have to be sanitized. There are going to be things that are going to be done. Um, but if we stay in phase two through, through August, we're still going to be able to go to school. Uh, what it's going to look like, I, I can't give you a definite answer. Uh, but we're going to commit to have Jared Martin on in the coming days so that we can get those answers for you. Number five. Oh, man, my head's going to swell for this one. You guys have done such a great job in the pandemic. What do you guys do differently than other newspapers in the area? A little bit of self-promotion is all never a bad thing here on the Casey's Corner Podcast. First and foremost, thank you so very much for that question. Um, thank you so very much for that compliment. Um we take pride in what we're doing, and we do think we're doing a pretty good job. Could be better, but certainly could be far worse. Um, so to compare ourselves to the other two newspapers in the area, um, I think first and foremost, we're local, locally owned, as opposed to one of the two, which is not, which is owned by owned and controlled by a New York company, which is only controlled by a Chinese company. So I think we have a better understanding for our people because we are our people. We're owned by, you know, a LaRose family. Uh, every single person on our staff is from here. Um, you know, we have our sales girl is, is Elise, who's, we call her a Yankee. She's from Southern Terrebonne. She's the from the far, far, far away land of South Terrebonne. Um, so we're all local. We all understand this area, this culture, and we love this area and this culture. So that I think is the first comparison to, to one of the other papers. And then the second comparison to the other is that we do this all the time. Our only commitment is to bringing local news to people in our area. We're not committing to giving local news around our other deadlines. We're not, you know, we don't have to make a coloring book magazine for kids. We don't have to make a business magazine to, you know, show some love to our sponsors to or to our advertisers. Um, we don't have any other distractions, any other products that take us away. News reporting is not a hobby to us around the other projects that we have. Um, we're in this 24-7. Every day I wake up and I'm working on newspaper. I'm not waking up and working on a, on a STEM project for my school uh, magazine. Um, and, and, and we're also, you know, our, our staff is trained in news writing, not in, in feature writing and, and not in other areas. So I think that, and it's not, and look, I'm not knocking anybody, you know, that you know, other people's businesses are the way that they are. If they're able to make money doing that, more power to them. You know, I was once part of that, that newsroom and I love the people there. But when the only thing you're focused on is news, then you better be good at news. And I think that that's what separated us is that we don't have that distraction. We don't have to worry about the other things that are going on in our building because we're, our only focus is on delivering news to you guys and and keeping you guys informed that's the only thing that we pay any attention to and i think that's why we've been able to separate ourselves is that that's the only commitment our that we have is is to to giving news and keeping our people informed thank you so much for the compliment though it truly means it means everything to us number six where are the clusters of cases currently in lafouche parish um at the beginning of the pandemic we were seeing um 
the widest clusters in Thibodeau and in northern Lafourche and in that same little pocket next to the the Lafourche and Terrebonne border they had a couple of hot spots pop up there that was in the beginning that was in your March and your early April and mid-April that kind of all held true then lately more recently southern Lafourche kind of had the tables flipped on them we didn't have much of an issue here in southern Lafourche in the early days of the pandemic but we're paying the piper now we've got a, a a large you know not large but we've got a cluster of cases here and the the tables have kind of reversed but what we've seen in the last updating of tracked maps and i'm actually going to share some information from parish president chasson that i'm so grateful that he gave to us um is that now it's it's pretty even now in active cases there are 190 active cases in lafouche parish 45 in northern Lafouche, 67 in central Lafouche, 69 in south Lafouche. It's pretty widespread. So the, the general uh, message here is don't assume that the virus is or isn't anywhere. Just take precautions no matter where you are. It's pretty widespread. There's not any one area that's kind of ground zero. It's, it's more widespread, uh, which is good and bad. It's good in that, you know, there's no huge cluster and there's no area that has a serious problem. But it's bad in that, you know, you, you've got to take precautions no matter what. There's no area that's safe. There's no area that's free. And nor is there, was there ever an expectation that it would be that way. I mean, we're a small, tight-knit, condensed parish. Everybody from the north interacts with people in the south. Everybody in the south interacts with people in the north. Um, so this was always going to be evenly spread at some point. Little clusters are going to pop up here and there. But... We're going to share this thing, we're going to share this fight, and we're going to fight together, and we're going to rid ourselves of this once and for all here in the next couple of days and weeks and months ahead. Number seven, do you think we will be ready for phase three at the end of the 28 days? Um, I, I hope so. I fully support the decision to have stayed in phase two for a little while longer, given the data that we were, that we were seeing. Um, <clears throat> but now seeing that it's kind of leveling, and it's not, as I said, it's not that exponential growth it's it's kind of just a plateau that there's gonna be little peaks and little valleys here and there um, i think that that's gonna allow us to get into phase three um we're moving farther and farther away from some of the trigger uh exposure dates we're moving farther and farther away from memorial day that's no longer an issue we're moving farther and farther away from some of the peak of the protest that's no longer an issue so if we've been able to get out of if we could get out of the, the, the protest period where thousands of people were gathered together um, in close exposure um, and we don't see a huge spike or a huge surge, I think we're going to be okay uh, because, man, some of the, the numbers that gathered in New Orleans streets at those times um, rivaled, you know, big atmospheres that you would see at any other peak time in New Orleans, uh, you know, party scene. So if we're able to avoid you know, some of the, the, the pitfalls from, from those big time events, then I think we're going to be fine. And one of the things that we could, you know, lay hope to is that um, now the virus is infecting younger people, which I know that's been a big, you know, media craze lately as we're hearing, oh my God, you know, the virus is infecting younger people. And I think that media have done a poor job of explaining what that means. Um, while yes, it's true, the virus is infecting younger people, it's not killing younger people. That's the reason why we're seeing death rates drop even as new cases rise because younger people have a far more successful uh, outcome by and large. Um, now, that's not to say that this is foolproof, 
That's not to say that, you know, a 25-year-old person can't die from this. And that's not to say that it's okay that those numbers are rising in the young people because the more carriers we have, the more people are um, going to expose with older pieces of the population that may cause big-time issues in our elderly again. Um, but by and large, the, the crowd that's contracting the virus is younger, which is not necessarily a bad thing because those are the folks that are not going to require hospitalization, are going to rest and recover, and are going to get better on their own. And while you know doing that, we're going to be building up more and more immunity to this in a safer way. So I do think we're going to be ready for phase three at the end of the 28 days, maybe even sooner. But please continue to be cautious. Continue to do the things we're supposed to do because you do have a role and I, and I say you as speaking to the person who asked the question specifically and also to the people at home who are listening you yourself have a role in how this fight's going to go that's one of the most interesting things about this pandemic is that um hurricane's going to go where it wants to go uh you know tornado's going to go where it wants to go flash flooding like we experienced today is going to happen there's nothing you can do to stop it but this we do have a role and we can stop it and we are part of the fight and it's up to us to try to get this thing out of the door but i thank you so much for the questions if you have any other questions for me just Claire casey at gmail.com y'all the people who ask the questions stay mind boggled at, at at the the response i i reply to every email and i tell you to listen to the show and um i'm not one like i'm a people person i guess is what i'm getting at if you text me something or email me something i'm gonna reply you send me a message on facebook i'm gonna reply i'm gonna get back to you anybody who's dealt with us during the pandemic knows i do my best to answer every single last one of your questions no matter how many times it's been you know repeated no matter how many times it's been asked i don't get annoyed i know it's my job to try to help the people out so that's what i'm committed to do so let's catch a quick commercial break when we get back Lafouche Parish President Archie Chasson will be on the line. We thank Archie so much for his time. Let's catch a break. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LafoucheGazette.com. We've got Archie Chasson, Parish President, and South Lafouche football coach B.J. Young in the next two segments here on LafoucheGazette.com. Did you know that on LafoucheGazette.com, we generate one million page views per month? Yes, that's not a typo. That's not me reading it wrong. That's not me selling you a bill of goods. We generate one million page views per month. That's one million times someone is on our website clicking their mouse and saying, hey, I want to read that. Did you know that our website, LaFoucheGazette.com, generates more than 200,000 individual users per month? There's 97,000 people in LaFouche Parish. We generate 200,000 viewers per month. We reach just about every single household in LaFouche Parish and even beyond. Contact us today for advertising and sales rates. If you want to get your business seen in a tough economic time, I promise you, if you invest in LaFoucheGazette.com, your ad is going to be seen, and it's going to be seen by every single person in LaFouche Parish. Contact us today and get involved. 985-693-7229. Help us help you. We're all in this together. We're all LaFouche strong.
is the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us now, LaFouche Parish President Archie Chasson. Archie, how are you, my friend? I'm, I'm, I'm a little wet, Casey, but we're doing all right. Absolutely. So full disclosure, just so all of our listeners know, we believe in being transparent. This is the second time that we're recording this with Archie. We didn't. We had a little bit of a, an equipment malfunction the first time. Archie, you were telling us just a second ago when we weren't recording that uh, things in the parish were a little soggy today. I know some... some Flash flooding was was uh, in the forecast, and a lot of areas got a lot of heavy rain. How's Lafouche doing? We're, we're we're holding our own right now. Luckily, that that kind of radar has, has broken off, and we're just seeing some light showers. But look, from about six o'clock this morning um, to just I, I guess about ten thirty, eleven o'clock, um, we, we had some isolated spots, especially around Raceland, the Sugar Mill one eighty two area, uh, where we we've seen over seven inches of rain in a very short period of time. Uh, everywhere else has experienced somewhere between I guess three to five inches from about six o'clock this morning. Uh, which was somewhat manageable. Uh, but when you look at what the central Lafouche area saw this morning um, with that over seven inches of rain, there, there isn't a system in the world, including you know that, that $25 billion uh, levy and pump station system around New Orleans that could have handled that that, that amount of rainfall. So luckily we're, we're, we're going to be able to catch up. You know, everything's flow and our pump stations are all operational um, and they're up and running. Um, so we, we ought to see things dry out pretty quick. Once the, the pumps can catch up and everything, people should start to see that water move pretty fast. But you know, we have gotten some calls this morning, unfortunately, a few houses that did take on some water. Uh, so we're going to be working with them to get them the help they need and, and hopefully help them dry out. Very good. Um, just kind of a temporary diversion from some COVID things that are going on around the parish. I know we've seen a little bit of an uptick in terms of cases, but um, looking at some hospitalizations data uh, yesterday, our hospitals are doing fine. Those numbers are not really going up very much, if at all, in Region 3. How are some things going right now with COVID in Lafouche Parish? Yeah, I, I think we're doing pretty well. Um, you know, everybody gets, uh, and, and I hope I can I can say the exact same thing I said the first time we recorded this. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, th- th- things are, things are looking better. Um, you know, everybody seems to get caught up on the numbers that the states report every day, and, and what the governor does in his press conference, or what comes out at noon. And, and look, we were, and, and I still am tied up on that number. We see it every day, um, and it became a, a huge thing. You know, in the in the what I will call the height of COVID. So we were in you know, March, the beginning of April, when we were doing our daily video updates and things like that. But what we do know is, and we've argued this for, um, you know, probably since the second week of, of the pandemic, uh, that, that we have issues with the data. You know, I've talked about this before. And, you know, while the state website shows that we have 1,034 cases, uh, and, and, and that is a real number, they're, they're, and, and a state's number of over 50,000 cases is a real number. But what we do know from breaking down the data that we get every day from the state is that our actual number of active cases um, in Lafouche Parish is only about 194. Um, you know, we, we get a list of names and addresses every day and our partners at the sheriff's office and 911 uh, do a great job of breaking that down for us um, and, and telling us who really isn't in Lafouche. They may be, you know, classed with a zip code and they may be on the assumption side of Thibodeau and not actually in Lafouche itself. Um, so, you know, we're seeing that we're seeing some good trends. Um, you're right, hospitalizations are, are way down. None of our hospitals have ever reached kind of that critical capacity that we thought we were going to hit very early on, and they're able to keep up. Um, we haven't seen any huge, huge increases. You know, we've seen some bubbles from some some backlogs in the testing data and stuff like that. And we've had some isolated spots, and we've had some local restaurants that have closed because of, um, you know, employees and, and, and little kind of pockets of, of clusters there. But, you know, no big nursing home clusters, no big anything like that. Um, so what we are going to work on, and I mentioned this to the council last night, talking about the, the, the reality of the numbers and um, not so much focusing on the total number, that thousand number, but really how many active cases do we have in Lafouche. So we're going to do a better job of, of how we report that uh, in the coming days and actually using the data we get from 
911 in the sheriff's office to do a better job of reporting it, breaking out into North, Central, and South. And um, whether or not we finally do release a map, there's been some talk about that in the past. And you know, we, we've we've hesitated against doing that because we didn't want to you know, free people out and, and, and put, you know, zip codes and, and actual dots on a map, you know, in the height of this, because people were very, you know, very worried about, you know, how fast these things are spreading and things like that. So um, we're going to try to, you know, do our best to be a little more transparent and, and, and maybe put out some map data or break it down north, central, and south. Um, so we can help you guys out as, as journalists and the media get out some accurate, uh, some good accurate numbers, as well as kind of continue to be transparent with the citizens. Very good. And in, in terms of like, take us back to whenever things were at its peak and, you know, the numbers are going up incrementally every day. And, you know, you've talked about this before. You know what to do during a hurricane. You know what to do during, you know, different other natural disaster events. No one necessarily, quote unquote, knew what to do with this. Talk about the thought processes and the things that were going through your head at night when you're laying your head on the pillow. I'm sure it was a very helpless time for you. I mean, and it was, and I've been very, very honest about this in, in a lot of the different interviews we've done is that when this first, when, when the, when the wave kind of first started to come, you, you get your first case. And of course that was, that was a day where everybody just kind of freaked out. Um, because it's, it, we, we knew it was going to happen. It finally hit LaFouche and, you know, now all of a sudden we're going to be in the midst of it. And then, you know, when you look back over the, over the trend of numbers, um, and you get in, you know, the back end of March and April when really things start to blow up. Um, you know, we started to get to, you know, double digit deaths. Um, and you, you get to that 20, 40, 50, 60 number. Um, there were a lot of sleepless nights because you, you don't know what to do and, and you can't really, you know, you're telling people, you know, wash your hands, wear a face mask, you know, stay home as much as you can. You know, we're making decisions about shutting down restaurants and garden centers and businesses. Um, and we know we're affecting people's livelihoods. We know we're causing, you know, in some cases, some some irreparable economic damages. And it's rough because we're trying to do, you know, we're making some some decisions that, that we think are in the best interest of, of the health of, of, of the parish as a whole. Uh, you know, we're doing that in conjunction with our medical partners in the state and, and information we're getting from GOSEP and you're talking to other parish presidents around uh, our area and, and, and what they're doing. Uh, but at the end of the day, we, we, we look, to be honest, Casey, we didn't know what we were doing. Because nobody did. There, was, there yeah. wasn't a playbook for how do you react to a pandemic. If it was flu, we know what to do. We set up a pod site. We started giving flu shots and antibiotics and, and those prophylactics, and we know what to do. Something like this is a little bit different because it's the, the spread of this thing was crazy. Um, it, it grew so rapidly uh, that we made some, you know, looking back, you know, it, we, we, we could be seen as some knee-jerk reactions. But at the end of the day, you know, I would rather be seen as the guy when, when the history book is written, hopefully many years down the road on this, that, that maybe overreacted and saved some lives then just said, well, you know what? This is a state health responsibility. LaFouche, let's just keep doing what we're doing. Uh, and instead of seeing 83 or 85 deaths on the chart, you know, we're seeing a couple of hundred or 500. Um, so, you know, we, it, it was a great learning lesson for us. Um, hopefully we never have to deal with it again. I think that, you know, COVID is going to be something that, that's going to stick around with us. We're going to see it bloom from time to time, just like we do. We'll probably have a, a COVID season, just like we have a flu season. And we'll know how to deal with it now um, because there is a playbook written uh, and we know how to react to it. And we can go back and um, and do a hot wash on this thing once we get past hopefully phase three in the, in the, in the coming weeks um, and really figure out what we could have done better and, and, and how we can make it better for the future. In terms of some of the things you're hearing, I know people are concerned about schools and, and, and what the quote unquote new normal is going to be. And we're going to have Jared Martin on this show in a couple of weeks. Um but what are you hearing? Do you think that some of those things that people are worried about are going to be able to go off without a hitch safely? I, I, I think so. 
Um, you know, I, I think when we talk about, you know, especially outdoor events, you know, our big fair and festival season in Lafourche is the end of September through uh, the end of October. Um, yeah, I think we're going to have to rethink how we do that, how we put kids on rides, how we sanitize those rides in between. Um, you know, you, you don't pick up every girl on a dance floor and go dance with her when the band's playing at night, <laughs> you know, things like that. We'll have, we'll have to rethink some of that. Um, but I think we can do this safely. I think it's something that we got to get, um, we're going to have to get used to. It's just like, you know, what do we do in, in flu season? Right. Um, and again, I don't want to compare the two because they're not completely the same, but we've made it through a lot of these other pandemics flus, H1N1, swine flu, all of that other fun stuff. There, there's no reason why we can't do things safely with this. Um, you know, I, I don't envy, um, you know, and I know, I know my job stuff, but I don't envy, you know, Mr. Martin right now in a school system trying to figure out how to put, you know, kids back in a congregate setting and, and teachers back in a congregate setting. And how do you do that safely? Uh, I'm lucky. I have, you know, 300 employees in, in, in a couple of different office complexes and they basically all have their own office. It's easy. They crack their door. They can separate. How do you do that with kids and staff members? Um, I don't know. Uh, and I don't envy his position. And, and you know, I know that he'll, we'll, we'll be talking. He'll be talking to his partners in the Department of Education and, and how we can partner and help him do. Uh, and, and we will have the school systems back in whatever in a, whatever manner we need to to help them through that. Uh, and I know he knows that. So I think we can do a lot of things safely. It's, it's just going to be thinking outside of the box with the new normal. And how do you, you know, we talk about outdoor events like football games and, you know, how do we separate people? Um, you know, it's, it's a big year for Nichols football coming off of that, that second year South and Conference championship. A lot of pumped up people in the body because we play LSU this year up at Tiger Stadium. So a lot of us want to see these things happen because it's going to be a lot of fun, um, and a lot of good times. Uh, but we got to think about how to do it safely. And, you know, in terms of, you know, you're the leader of 90 plus thousand people, close to 100,000 people. Whenever you see that progress being made and that curve being flattened, man, this is a time of such division in the world. But for this, people did come together and by and large, people did buy in and do the things that they were supposed to do. That's got to be a pretty good feeling, too, knowing that, hey, man, you know, people did buy in and people did do the things that they were guided to do. Yeah, I mean, it was to see the community come together the way we had. And look, eventually, you know, I think a lot of people thought about it as the flu in the beginning. They go, oh, this is no big deal. Um, and then, you know, we've all we've all had a loved one touched by this. We, we all know someone who either has COVID or was in a hospital uh, or unfortunately for a lot of us, um, you know, we, we lost Reggie. Um, and I think that's I don't want to say that was the breaking point for our community. Um, but I think when 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 we lost Reggie, everybody went. Okay, so this 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 is pretty bad, um, and and I don't want to say losing Reggie helped, you know, people understand what was going on. I think they got it before that, but I really think that was the the catalyst to say, okay, you know, maybe we do need to settle down a bit, stay home more, and then as more family members, as as our other loved ones got touched, uh, and we had to do funerals, you know, with only five people in a in, in the chapel of the funeral home, and we had to. You know, postpone weddings and, and when it became more serious, the, the community really, really got together and got it. And we saw a lot of people just saying, okay, I don't need to go out. We can use Rouse's pickup or, or Rouse's delivery or Walmart curbside. Um, you know, we can use a drive through at a restaurant and, and things like that. Uh, so it was, it was nice to see the community come together and realize that, you know, we can, we all can get through this together. And, you know, I've said on multiple interviews and I said it probably about a thousand times in our, in our daily videos that, government was not going to cure this. We couldn't do it. It was going to have to be a community-wide effort. And I think that, that we saw that and we're still seeing it because as, look, I've, I've traveled around, I'm getting out more, um, you know, going to restaurants and, and going to different events that are happening now. 
Um, and people are wearing masks. There's a lot of people who don't. Um, and there are times, look, I, I, I don't always wear one, and I know I, I and I know I should. You know, I'm I'm setting the example for, you know, a little under 100,000 people. But if I need something real quick from Lowe's, I need a tuba, a silicone, I run in real quick. I may not have a mask on me, depending on what vehicle I'm in. Um, but a lot of people are, and if, and if I go to Walmart or Rouse's in most cases, um, going to church on Sundays, we're wearing masks. Um, so it's, it's something that the, the community is going to continue to do. And, um, hopefully as we see these numbers tick down, um, we, we move into phase, phase three, hopefully a lot quicker than, than 28 days. And I think the, 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 the governor said that this morning on, on his, his unified command group call that just because the proclamation says 28 days doesn't mean that we're going to have to be there for 28 days. Well, they're going to review the data and act accordingly and, I hope and pray that the numbers continue to trend down and, um, you know, we, we, we can get back to hopefully a phase three quicker than July 21st or 28th, whatever that date's going to be. Obviously, you know, business owners rely on customers to frequent their stores, you know, generate revenue, but parish government also relies on those relationships as well. And in terms of the funds you all collect from taxing, are we going to be okay, man? How much of a setback is this going to be in terms of uh, you know the, the loss in revenue? I, I, I think we're gonna. I think we'll be okay. You know, this year sales taxes and the, and the reports that we've gotten uh, from the from the sales tax office of the school board over the last couple of months have been okay. Um, you know, we saw a little dip, um, but it wasn't it wasn't catastrophic. It wasn't a catastrophic dip that I think a lot of us thought we were going to see. Um, you know, the, the, the big dip that we saw was most of home buying and car buying, which generates a, um, a, a, a large amount of revenue for us from a sales tax perspective. Um, the, the one thing where, where sales taxes really do hurt us is in solid waste. Um, and if things kind of continue the way they are kind of lagging, we are going to see a shortfall this year in solid waste that we're going to have to make up with some, with some general fund money. Um, the bigger concern for a lot of us was, uh, royalty revenue and, and what we get from, from the oil and gas activity. Um, and we expected that to dip because look at, at one point oil was trading for a day at a negative value, which I don't think historically any of us have seen in our lifetime. Um, so we were, we were expecting a dip and I, I, I gave these numbers to the council last night at the meeting. Um, you know, on average in, in this part of the, in, you know, in the, in the May time frame, we, we normally see between 160 and $180,000 in revenue for the month of May. Uh, we got our royalty reporting on Monday. Um, and we, and we're going to get a check for a whopping $27,000. Uh, so that puts us about $154,000 off from what we had projected. Uh, so that number hurts because that's how we fund, uh, capital projects or pump stations or roads, uh, or, or mostly drainage and, and pump station projects. But we do fund some road projects on a royalty, some bridge projects on a royalty, some recreation projects on a royalty to make up, um, for the ad valorem side. Uh, so that, that, that number is going to sting a little bit. And I think, uh, you know, all, all is trading now, I think a little over $40 a barrel. So that's going to help with, you know, I'm, I'm going to be anxious to see what, what the June numbers look like when we get them, uh, in July. Uh, but that's the number that really stings and that's the number that really hurts kind of long-term projected projects. Cause again, that's our capital project. Uh, but I think on the ad valorem side, you know, property tax side, we're going to, we should be okay. Um, this year's a reassessment year. So we, we normally see an uptick, um, in, in what those collections are. Because the oil and gas industry is still suffering, what we see from the collections on offshore vessels has been down for, for several years. I think in talking with, with our assessor, Wendy Thibodeau, who does a fabulous job, uh, we've taken that hit on the vessel side. Um, so with reassessment, and I think uh, because we've seen a lull in, in kind of oil and oil use, you know, we have a lot stored up in loop in the Genesis facility here in Raceland. Um, and she's gonna, that's going to be able to be taxed like an inventory product, like a, like a water bottle on a shelf. 
Um, so that large amount is still in inventory. It, it's going to see a, a little bit of a jump in ad valorem. So next year, I think we'll be okay. We're going to have to, we're going to have to watch the budget pretty hard. Um, we're not going to go out and do any, you know, multi-billion dollar projects anytime soon. Um, but I think we'll be okay. Uh, we had sort of a, a dry run with Cristobal, uh, talk about, you know, storm preparations. Are we ready? And then kind of a second part to that question. How good does it feel to have the funding complete for the LA one elevation project? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with that one, Casey. You know, that, you know, I think, you know, the, the number one issue on every conference call, and look, these are back from when I was here during Ms. Randolph's administration. You know, we, we get through the weather briefing with the with the National Weather Service. We get through the, the items with GoStep when we get to the, the local, uh, our local representatives on a parish call. And the first question is always to, to chair the port commission saying, all right, what do we do about LA-1? To not hopefully in the next three years or so to not have to worry about asking that, that, that question again. <laughs> is going to be huge uh, to not worry about the the loss to the gdp of, of 22 million dollars an hour when we have to shut down la1 anymore is going to be huge to not see you know 18 wheelers stacked up at truck stops and on the side of la1 waiting for the road to be open you know when the tide goes down after a storm is going to be huge um and i can't thank you know people from re to the chet his port commission boards past and present to uh you know our federal delegation our state delegation um the governor uh, Secretary Wilson over at DOTD who have pushed, you know, for the last 24 years to make this a reality. Uh, Tanner McGee, who filed the bill a couple of years ago to use the state's economic BP damage money uh, over the next five years to contribute, you know, about a hundred million dollars to just specifically LA1. Um, and to the president and, and Secretary Chow at USDOTD for, for awarding us the, the $135 million grant. I mean, it was a, a huge team effort. Um, and to, to, to cap that week off with a tweet. Uh, and look, I don't always agree with President Trump's tweets, but to, to see a tweet from him that had Golden Medal and Legal spelled <laughs> right without an S was was huge. Um, that's going to be a tremendous project. Hopefully, this time next year we're, we're doing a groundbreaking and watching them start driving some files. But your know, crystal ball was a was a good dry run for us. Um, was was a lot different for me being in a different chair. Um, as forest arms go, having a new DPW director, a new parish administrator was a good dry run for them. And those two guys are doing some amazing work here day to day. Anyway. Um, but it, it was. It, it allowed us to, to, to run through some motions. Um, again, COVID was, was, was interjected into this, not so much from a sheltering perspective because we had thought about that, but you know, we typically use a lot of inmate labor to help us make sandbags. Um, and DOC has some, some specific restrictions about you know, inmates and, and work release and trustees coming out of jail, so we had to come up with a different plan on, uh, on how to get some inmates to help us make sandbags, and that put a law on us. Um, but luckily we have uh, 100 and, 110 uh, awesome guys in our field offices and, and those those men and, and actually a couple of women uh, actually made 20,000 sandbags in two days uh, between our six field offices with with a, you know a, a day and a half help from from probably about six inmates that we set up a, a temporary bagging site at the shooting range um, but those guys really helped some sandbags for a couple of days and, and really uh, put their heart and soul into it and helped us kind of catch up uh, and able to, to, to make some sandbags so we had some available in case it happened luckily you know, dry air got involved, things shifted around, and it wasn't bad as, as what they had projected in the very beginning. Um, but overall, I think we're, um, we're 98% ready for a, for a storm. There's always, I say that because there's always a couple of things we're not perfect that we can always continue to improve on. Um, you know, we're always going to have a, a pump here or there that malfunctions, the belt breaks, fuel filter needs to be changed and start from the, the, the pump for fuel, things like that. Um, so I'd say we're about 98% ready and, and it's the number I'd love to be at hundred, but we're all, something's always going to pop up at the last minute. Um, so I'm really proud of the employees that we have here and, and the work we did for Cristobal and, 
Um, I, I think we're ready for anything that hopefully doesn't come knock on wood the rest of hurricane season. But if, if something does creep up, we're, we're ready for it. Well, Parish President Chasson, it is almost 12 o'clock. You and I are both anxious to go look at the numbers, so I'm going to let you go, man. Thanks so much for the time. <laughs> Thanks, Casey. Yes, sir. That was Lafouche Parish President Archie Chasson doing a great job, as always. Let's catch a quick commercial break. When we get back, South Lafouche football coach B.J. Young is the Casey's Corner podcast here on LafoucheGazette.com. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, guys, I know it's a commercial break, but it's me again. But I want to tell you guys a big secret. I know how you guys could get the news in Lafouche Parish, the hottest news, all the things that all your friends and all your family members are talking about first before everyone else. How? By getting the Lafouche Gazette app. Go to your app store, get the Lafouche Gazette app today. You'll get push notifications right to your phone anytime anything breaks, anytime anything exciting happens, anytime there's anything going on in Lafouche Parish that people are talking about. We're going to be talking about it and we're going to send it right to your phone. So go to the Lafouche Gazette app, find it on your app store today, download it 100% free, 100% news, 100% local, 100% all the time. Download the Lafouche Gazette app today. Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us now, South LaFouche football coach BJ Young. Coach Young, how are you, man? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good, good. Uh, busy time. You guys are getting some conditioning, getting some lifting in, and, and all that good stuff. How have workouts been over on campus over the last couple of weeks? Man, it's been great. You know, uh, the, the growth we made from day one to where we are now um, has been tremendous. You know, uh, I know us as coaches are very pleased. Uh, you know, they're doing everything that we're asking them to do. You know, with that being said, though, we still have a lot of work to do between now and uh, and when, when we crank up to go for real. So, uh, you know, we're getting better every day, and, uh, and and that's all we can ask for. I'm sure a little bit of a bummer to you guys to not be able to move into phase three. So, you know, contact drills and different things like that are not going to be allowed. But at the same time, it's also off season for football, so a lot of that stuff isn't allowed anyway. Um, talk about what staying in phase two does for Tarpon football, if anything. Yeah, look, our biggest issue with it is is, is our numbers. You know, you, you can only have so many in the, in the groups, and we have a, we have I think we're going uh, a three freshmen who we think can contribute this year who, who are pretty special, and we have some guys in that ten thirty group around six or, or seven who uh who, who are going to be pushing for time this year on a Friday night. And we were looking to get them in the, in that morning group, you know, which they would have been in to start anyway, you know. But but just with the numbers that you got to crunch those numbers to make it work for the for the, you know, the the phases and the social distance. We couldn't get them in there, um, so just we we upset about that, you know, because uh, we were looking forward to getting those kids into that seven a.m. group and getting them going, you know. But we we we're doing our best to not not let them fall behind mentally, you know, physically they're doing everything that the other groups uh, is doing as well. It's just uh, the mental part, you know, so um, staying with them after an install and then, you know, posting a playbook to go to classroom and, 
telling them what to look over and study. So when we do get the okay to move into phase three, you know, they're not too far behind, you know, and, and the next thing w- would be, we're looking forward to doing some pass scale stuff, you know, at phase three opens, uh, LHSA cleared to do some pass scale. So being able to throw the ball and getting a little competition going on the field, you know, not, not so much right now. It's a lot of, you know, we broken up in the groups and a lot of individual stuff, you know, you really can't, compete as far as football goes you know you compete in the weight room and and you're conditioning and you're running and when we're doing the stadium stuff but when you're able to throw the ball a little bit and get the juices flowing and talk a little trash back and forth you know uh it, it makes it fun and uh so that's that's on hold so that's something else that um you know is a, is a little bit upsetting but you know we understand you know the safety of our kids and um our coaches is, is top priority so you know, whatever whatever the governor sees fit and the state sees fit, you know, that's that's what we'll go with. The kids are learning you and your regime, but at the same time, you're learning the kids as well. I remember a couple, well, the last time we had you on the show, you were telling me, man, you you were not uh, sure of some people's names and you were trying to learn everybody. Two weeks in, you're learning a little bit more about the personality of your guys and the character of you guys. Uh, do you like what you're seeing so far? Absolutely. You know, uh, it, it we, I get, I, I know them well now, you know, and uh, you can't ask for be- for better kids than we have, you know. They they hungry to be to be great. Now, you know, I I keep saying it, but you know, we post some stuff, and and you can tell they go home and they look over it, yeah, because it means something to them. Uh, you know, there's places that has, you know, they 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 gonna have places with better players than us, and you know, and and that is what it is, you know, and there's. You know, top team in the state is Acadiana, you know, and there's, team, there's teams with more count than, than Acadiana, you know, at, at places. It's just, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. But when you have kids who, who are as hungry as our kids and who listen like they do and uh, as disciplined as they are, you know, that, that that that's all you can ask for with a coach. They do exactly what they tell you tell them to do. And uh, that that's going to give you a chance to win every time, you know, we kick the ball off on a Friday night. Um you know, so so that's great, and like I say, seeing what I've seen in practice, we have we have we have what it takes. We have an, enough to win to win a lot of football games. You know, we have we have as we have great kids that are mentally strong and that discipline, but we also have kids who can play. You know, we we got a lot of kids who are athletic, and um, you know who do a lot of things well. So uh, you know, we, we we when we kick it off, I told them. You know, there's no excuse. We, you know, we, you got to believe that you can win every game that, that that you're in. Very good. And in terms of figuring out who's going to play where, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I know last year you're taking over, you know, a, a group that had tons of, you know, running backs and fullbacks, and now with a spread out offense, you know, the, some guys may be asked to play different positions without having some of those passing drills and some of that contact. Is it kind of difficult for you to figure out the pieces, so to speak? You know, early on, it, it, the learning the learning curve for our skill guys and our bigs is it, it, is tremendous because you know a lot of those guys it, it wasn't just putting in a system and you know hey, you got to dig you got to climb you know you got to glance it, it's we have to teach them how to run the routes you you know and you kind of you got to break it down as if you know and it's day one install but even more in depth of how how we want routes run. And how, if the ball's above your waist, how your hand should look to catch it. You know, if it's below your waist, how it should look. You know, if, a, if the DB's shading the server, how to get your leverage back. And that's all stuff that's new to them, you know. So so in, in, just on top of installing a new offense, it was also, you know, you, you got to teach them, you know, how, how, to, how to run the routes, 
um, what kind of drops goes with what concepts and what protections. Um, but man, they, they're doing great. You know, I, the, the growth, if we could have took a video on day one to, uh, to where we were today, it, you know, it's night and day and look, by no means are we where we need to be. And, and you know, but the growth that we're making, you know, we get better every day. So it, it gives me hope that, that, that we'll be ready to go. And, and I, and I believe we'll be ready to go, you oh. know, as, 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 as far as the bigs go up front, the, the linemen, you know, their stances change, their splits change, um, the way the way they we come up the ball and how we gonna double team with your eyes in a certain zone, and, you know that's all different for them, you know. So so they have a learning curve too, and, and, and something as simple as snapping the ball to the quarterback now. You know now we in the gun ninety eight percent of the time, whereas they was in the gun maybe five percent of the time. So and on top of learning all the footwork and the new schemes and making sure your splits are right, we, we got to get a snap to the quarterback, you know. Almost every first-year coach um, has big numbers initially, and and you know you guys are the same. You, you saw a big influx in numbers. Are you confident that you're going to be able to keep those guys all the way and get them to the first game in the fall? Yeah, you know our numbers have been good, and and look, just like everybody else in the state, I'm sure we have a kid miss here or there, you know. Uh, but for the most part, our participation, um, our attendance has been has been phenomenal. You know, we have kids who came that first day for that 1030 group. Uh, majority of the kids hadn't played or, or played as a freshman but didn't play as a sophomore um, or didn't play as a freshman and now they want to play. And, you know, they got paperwork to do, you know. Majority of them brought it back. Some of them didn't. Um, so that's going to be kids that I think will come, you know, on the, on the first day of school wanting to play. And like we communicated with them, you know, you, you're going to be behind. You know, every day you miss, you fall behind mentally and physically. So, um, and that's something that, that they understand. Freshman-wise, I think the numbers have been great. I think we're around 30 right now, which, uh, you know, when you come out of that eighth-grade transition into the high school setting, you don't really know how important the offseason is, you know. So uh, th- for 30 to come and, and, and show that effort and, and, and know how important it is, it, it is, is is nice. And, you know, I anticipate some more freshmen, you know, start a school, you know, if if – Everything works out, you know. Um, I anticipate more coming out for the freshman team. You know, the reality is we're talking about it other day as coaches. The numbers are great, you know, but but the nature of it is, you know, sometimes, you know, the kids kind of they realize it's not for them, you know, and um, you, you try to you, you know you try to incorporate the life aspect because it it teaches you a lot about life, you know, adversity and stuff like that. You don't you don't want to see kids quit when it gets tough, you know, when you're out there running and it's 110 heat index. That's that's hard to do, you know. And um, so you try to push them through it. But the nature of it is, you know, some kids just it's not for them, and, and that's okay, you know. But we we we're gonna we <clears throat> we trying our hardest to make sure everybody's bought in, and we're doing the right things. Uh, so I, I believe we're gonna take a lot of the numbers that we have into the fall, which is a good thing. But naturally, some some won't because it's just, you know, it's not for them, and, and that's okay. In terms of play on the trenches, uh, offense and defensive line, you return some guys, you lose some guys. Are you satisfied with what you have up front on both sides of the ball? Yeah, you know, I believe we're losing a good bit, de- a good bit of defensive linemen, offensive linemen. I, I believe we have two returning. <clears throat> you know, like I like I say, I'm over there trying to match stuff right now, and where I'm at in the mindset is I'm worried about you know the now, you know. Uh, I, I think we have. I believe. I believe we have a few offensive linemen back, and we 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 replaced almost all the D linemen. 
you know, a few kids might have rolled in and got a few a little playing time here or there. But um, yeah, I'm pleased, man. We got some big kids um, that hadn't played before that are out, you know, and, and they're a little bit raw, but like I say, they're coachable, you know. So we'll get them to where they need to be. And we got kids who are in, that was in the program, uh, who, 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 like I say, you know, same thing. They're coachable. So we we have we have stuff to work with. Um, like I told like I told the coaches, you know, is I, I have a pet peeve of when, when a coach comes to me and says, you know, coach, he can't do that, you know, or why not coach him, you know, coach him to do it. He, he coach him. If he's six three and he's two seventy, he what do you mean he can't block? You know, coach him. Um, so that so that's something that's going to be a little different too, I believe. And uh, like I said, the, the kids take coaching. You know, if you get on their butt, they don't get down. Um, you know, they yes sir, no no sir. So uh, you know, tremendous upside up front. Very good. And, and there's a theory that's being floated around, and the LHSA hasn't you know made any decisions either way. But the idea being that. If things don't get better and we don't get out of phase two, we may start school with the spring sports, have your baseball, your track, your tennis, your golf, all that stuff, and then in school with the fall sports in the spring to buy more time for a vaccine and to buy more time for us to allow this to get better. If that were to be the case, is that something that you would approve of in terms of the perspective of South Lafouche High School? Yeah, look, uh, <clears throat> it's like you're in the meeting room with us, you know, we uh uh, we talked about that this morning too. You know, uh, we talked as coaches and uh, kind of heard the scenarios. You know that that scenario is a little tougher for us because a, a lot of our kids, you know, play play other sports, which which, which we encourage. Um, so does, does that buy us more time as far as getting ready and you know preparation? You know, maybe a little, but a lot of a lot of our, a lot of meat of our roster plays other sports as well. You know, we'll have majority in track and, and I want them running track to get fast and then a lot of our kids play baseball so and and, and that, that's encouraged you know we go as coaches and we support them so um yeah man, you know it, it, whatever the LHSA decides you know we, we're gonna roll with and uh we'll be ready to go we spoke to Chris Dugal on the radio show a couple of weekends ago and he said that he believes the teams that are going to have the biggest advantage or the teams that are returning their quarterbacks. Now, granted, it's a new system, but you're returning your quarterback. A young man who started as a sophomore is growing. He's getting bigger. He's getting stronger. Smart kid, good kid. What do you like so far about Patrick, and what are some of the things you think he could do in your offense? Yeah, man. You know, first off, Thibodeau's guy, he, he's a stud. Now, I think his last name's Alamar. Yeah. I, I actually coached against him when we were at EA. You know, he's a good player, and uh, they're fortunate to have him back. There's no doubt. Um, as far as our guy goes, uh, I, I love what I see from Patrick. You know, uh, you you can tell when, when a kid when, when they when they when you tell them something the way the way they're looking at you. You know, you can tell if it's sinking in or if they, it, it, when you're talking if you're just talking through him because he really doesn't care. Uh, and, and Patrick's not like that. You can tell everything I'm saying. He's like a sponge. You know, uh, he asks he asks the right questions. Um, I know the other day we had like a look, we had a route in, you know, on one about two high, one high beat of concepts. And, you know, he basically said, coach, if the linebacker leaves, can they just sit? You know, and I was like, yeah, that's actually what we do. I was just putting it in like the vanilla version so we can learn it. You know, so so he, he knows the game. He thinks the game. I know his dad, uh, Mr. Troy, our quarterback club president, he played football at ULL with Jake DeLome, you know, so it's in his blood. And, uh, you know, the kid loves football and and, and that helps a lot. 
you know, his footwork, you know, it, it's all, it's all good. And, you know, we tweaking some things here and there, but, but like I say, he, uh, he, he's like a sponge, man. And he'll, he'll do great for us. Is uh, it- our backup right now is, um, is Matt Jalbert, a baseball guy. Uh, he's going to be a senior, a bigger kid, a good arm. And, and, you know, same thing with him, you know, he's a sponge and they, 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 they push each other to be better. And, you can see them helping each other out and, and, and questioning each other, and, and the other one gives them answers. It's not, it's none of that, you know. I'm not going to help him because I'm competing with him, you know, type of deal. So I'm um, just really proud of both kids, and uh, you know, like I said, they, they both sponges, and, and, and they they will be just fine. Is it difficult for you as a coach and as a coaching staff in terms of okay, you got all these guidelines of, of things that you got to do and. You got to wash the, you know, the equipment every time it's used and all these different things that are so unlike anything that we've ever done before. Where, as you know, if, if you see a kid lifting wrong, I'm sure you want to hop in and tell him to do something different, but you, you can't necessarily coach the same way. Is it difficult? Do you catch yourself sometimes trying to, you know, use your instincts, whereas you may think, you know, hey, I can't do that. Talk about, you know, that juggling act of all the different roles that you have to play now because of the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the wiping it down between every time and we hit the sled and uh, they got to wipe it down before the next one hits the sled. And, you know, we're making it work and we get more efficient as, as the days go on. You know, the instinct of it is, I know, I know last, you know, uh, I forgot what day it was actually, but, you know, our, our conditioning and stuff. And when they do it wrong, you know, we up down or we, we squat jump and, you know, you, you just, you get caught in a moment with, with lifting and conditioning. Uh, and, and you got to, you got to, you know, reel yourself back in for social distancing, you know, as far as like calling the team up to get a break or talk to them after we're done, you know, you catch yourself like, oh, wait, wait, can't do that. You know, everybody stay spread out. Well, I'm going to talk to y'all and we'll just get a break where you're at. Um, so, you, you know, you, you catch yourself a lot. You know, I find myself, I catch myself a lot, you know, want, wanting to get in there and show them how to release on a route and, and, and you know, stem the guy vertical and lean on him. And I'm like, well, I can't do that because I'm too close to the DB, you know, so. Uh, you, you catch yourself, you know, you get in the moment and, and it's kind of in your DNA of, of the way you used to coaching and people coach. And you got to just reel yourself back in. You know, it's a challenge, but, uh, you know, it is what it is and, and we're making it work. The kids here and the community here are dying to see a winning product and they, they, they didn't have it for the last couple of seasons, but they're hungry for it. Um, talk about, you know, the aspirations of trying to build this thing until winter again. And, and, and just some of the different, uh, you know, approaches that you guys are going to take to try to, I mean, you see it every day in the locker room. You see all those different faces of all the players that were all district and all state. And you see, you know, the, the years on the, on the back of the press box, all the years of this program on district. This is a program that's used to winning, hasn't been winning. Talk about the ways that you're going to try to get it back to where it needs to be. Yeah, you know, the community deserves a winner. I, I think that the, kid, the kids deserve winning, uh, the school, the, the student body. Um, you know, if, if the football team's successful, the chances are is that, you know, the community's in a good place and the school's in a good place and, you know, everybody's happy. Uh, you know, what I'm stressing to the kids every day is, is first and foremost, we have to be physical. Uh, physical is number one. You know, we, we, ha- we have to be physical. Number two is discipline, you know, and, that, and that's, that's doing everything right. You know, the little things that, that we do every day, you know, we run our sprints, the hands behind the line, not on the line. You know, we do certain whistle counts to make sure they they going on the same thing. Because when they get tired, the first thing to go is their mental deal. And we're jumping off sides and we fall starting. We got mental bust. And so we incorporate that in our everyday strength and conditioning. So just focusing on the little things and, and 
being disciplined and everything, you know. And I, I told them that day it's about like you, when you go to class, you know, if you you're supposed to, if you go to math and you don't have a pencil, then you're not. That's not being disciplined. Uh, so it carries on, and I know a lot of people find it hard to believe, but that that carries into a Friday night or you know Wednesday night, whenever whenever we step on the field, that 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 translates, you know, to to, to everything we do. And then uh, the last thing we've been st- stressing is you know winning the day, you know. <clears throat> so win is what's important now. So you know if we if we're gonna be St. Charles Catholic Week One, you know everybody's doing what we're doing. You know we have to win today over them. So whatever they're doing, we have to push ourselves harder to make sure that we did more than them individually. You know, if if we run in so many sprints, I have to give all I got to know that the guy, if I'm a receiver, that the DB, hopefully he slacked on one and I know in my heart I did. You know, so just just, just those three things, you know, the physicality, the discipline, and then the winning every day, you know, is, is the thing that we've been stressing, you know. Uh, and, and I think if we do those things and we focus on the little things, I feel like we'll be fine and we'll be able to give the community, uh, you know, a lot of my assistant coaches from the area and they starving too, you know, they, they talk every day about, you know, just, just stuff, man, you know, and uh, it, just to give everybody that I think that they deserve and what, what they, 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 uh, they've been wanting and, and, and for these kids because they do a lot of things right. And, you know, they're great kids and, and, and they want to win. So, uh, you know, that, that that's rewarding when you see, you know, when you, when you win the game, you get to come in and celebrate in the locker room and play a little music, and uh, you, you get to see the look the look on the kids' faces, and, you know, it, it's worth it. So uh, that's what we want to get back to for sure. I, I've never asked you about this, and I'm curious to hear your answer. We've talked a lot about offense. We've talked a lot about defense in the last couple of interviews we've done. I've never asked you about special teams. You bring your kicker and your punter back, pretty doggone good player. Give me a little bit of a rundown of your philosophy on special teams, which, as you well know, and as many coaches around the state well know, if you win that phase of the game, more often than not, you're going to be successful on Friday nights. Tell us a little bit about your plans for special teams. That's right. I know. I know Urban Meyer's a big, a big special teams guy. You know, I know Jimbo Fisher saying is, uh, you know, every position, every possession ends in a kick. You know, you're punting, you're kicking an extra point, or you're kicking a field goal. So there's no turnovers. So if you go by that model, which, which we go by. You know, special teams is super important as far as flipping the field or kicking touchbacks or if we get into that red zone fringe, which we call it, well, you know, as uh, where can Jesse hit it from? You know, Coach, he's money. You know, Coach, I was telling me, Coach, he's money from, you know, 25 on end. And we know when we get around that 25-yard line that we should have three points. Uh, and, and Jesse's awesome, man. You know, he's the returning kicker. He uh he works his butt off. I think he kicks I don't know a hundred field goals a day from all over the place. You know he hit he hits the iron and then he runs and then coach I can go kick yeah go kick man. So he'll he'll kick the whole time we we doing stuff and uh so yeah it's tremendous to return uh you know your special team units back. Uh we we're gonna be aggressive. You know we we're gonna play every game to win it. You know if we feel like our best option when we cross the the, the forty or the the plus forty is to go for it if we under five then. That's what we're going to do. You know, if we feel like our defense is playing lights out and we need to punt the ball and pin them deep, you know, and we kind of sputter a little bit offensively, then that's what we're going to do. And I have confidence in our guys as far as special teams goes and Coach Galjo as the special teams coordinator. Uh, We're going to to be coached up and and do things the right way on that side of the ball because, uh, like you said, Casey, that'll that'll win you and lose you a game. You know, in in high school sports, I feel like it's even magnified. If you don't have a kid who can – kick an extra point or kick a field goal or punt or get the snap to the punter, uh, you had an advantage, 
uh, by a long shot because they'll line up to kick a field goal and you'll block it because they, they can't do it, you know, or they line up to punt, you pin them deep, and they're going to punt it for 10 yards, and we're in a plus territory. So uh, it's definitely going to be a main focus in our practices uh, when, we, when, we, when we get closer to, uh, to go time. Very good. Last question for you. I know that the school had a little bit of a hiccup with, you know, an assistant to your coach, you know, testing positive for COVID. Uh, everybody's still safe. Everybody's still okay. Yeah, we good. You know, uh, Miss Sherman sent the email. Uh, we <clears throat> just to make sure to reiterate that everybody needs, you know, coaches need masks going in the buildings, which we've been doing. Uh, so, so that helps. We've been sanitizing. Uh, yeah, you know, we temperature checked them. We got, we got the question, the questionnaire that they answered before they come in. So, you know, all precautions are being taken. Uh, everybody's healthy. You know, everybody's healthy as of now. So, uh, you know, that that's that's fortunate because you can, you can only control them. You know, you, you can stress to them as much as you want about you know when you go home and how to live and you know do you know you take precautions, be safe. You don't need to be you know if you don't need to go to, to Walmart, you know you probably shouldn't go. If you need to go, wear a mask and you know if you go and hang out with some buddies, you know just be be cautious of how you're doing things and. Don't need to be in big old crowds, you know, but you can only control them when they're with you. You know, you can stress them how important it is. Uh, so things, things happen, you know. I know there were some schools um, in, in that in that Lafayette range that, that, that ran into it. And, it was, you know, it, it wouldn't even ha- it didn't even happen in school as far as from what my understanding was. So, you know, we, we've taken all precautions as coaches and uh, our administrative team and Coach Kyle to uh, to make sure we're doing things right to know when they come to us that uh that they they as safe as possible very good well look coach thanks so much for the time and uh look forward to getting out there and watching you guys work out here in the near future okay yeah me too man thank you so much yes sir that is south of Hoosh football coach bj young doing a wonderful job as always can't wait to see those guys in action here in the very near future let's catch a break when we get back we're going to talk about some sports, take your questions about some sports, all right here on the Casey's Corner Podcast on lafushgazette.com. We'll be right back after this. What's up, guys? It's me again. I know you're getting tired of hearing me during the commercials, but I have another message, another very important thing I'd like to tell you. I'm doing this podcast on my own time, and it's 100% for you guys, our listeners, our readers, and everybody in Lafouche Parish who loves sports and who loves news as much as I do. So I cannot stress to you enough if there's a guest that you want to hear, please let me know. I'll try to get them on. If there's a question that you have, please find me on social media. At Casey underscore Jisclair at Twitter. JisclairCasey at gmail.com. Find a way to get a hold of me. I want this to be an interactive show, but I want you guys to participate, and I want you guys to be part of the team. So please, if you have someone that you'd like for us to book, let us know so we can reach out to them. If you have a question, please let me know. I'm available 24-7. Don't take any days off. Please make sure that if you got something that you'd like for us to cover, that you let us know so that we could do the best for our awesome listeners. We thank B.J. Young for his time. We thank Archie Chasson, LaFouche Parish president, for his time. This is the Casey's Corner podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. We're going to close out our show with a sports update. Then we're going to take your questions from the world of sports. 
and put a bow on what has been a very successful show, a very, a very um, fluid show. We've got a lot of information out to a lot of different people today, which is always the goal. We certainly hope that, that more and more people continue to follow and you know find us on the iTunes store and, and all the different things that we're preaching and promoting. And our numbers are growing. Hopefully more and more people continue to catch on. Um, COVID-19. Um, I know we just said we didn't talk about sports, but this this makes sense in the context of sports. Phase two being extended for 28 days is going to have ripple effects on the athletic scene, um, and especially in terms of high school football. Uh, I talked about this in social media. Uh, we are now on the clock. the The hourglass has just turned over. There's a whole bunch of sand at the top and just a little bit of sand at the bottom. We've got 30 days worth of sand at the top and about two or three days worth of sand at the bottom. We've got 30 days to get right. We've got 30 days to get into phase three. And without it, there's not going to be high school football. And I hate to be so blunt. I hate to say that in a way that may scare people or freak people out. But it's just the reality. Phase three is the phase where football is allowed. Contact sports are allowed in phase three. Without phase three, there is no football, there's no basketball, there's no soccer, there's no wrestling. So if ever you wanted to motivate yourself to do a little bit more to keep people healthy, you've got 30 days to get right, or else there's not going to be any South Lafouche football, Central Lafouche football, Nichols football, LSU football. Um, So do better. Um, And I know that if we all commit, like we said in the first segment, all commit to just doing a little bit more, we're going to be able to watch our kids play and all the things that we miss doing but i just wanted to open up the sports segment by saying that is that phase two extending doesn't have a whole lot of ramifications for a whole lot of people because by and large most businesses are open most businesses are operating at at half capacity uh, so they're able to still you know make a little bit of money but without that phase three leap there will not be a football season in the fall um so Take that for what it is uh, and, and, you know, commit to doing a little more if you're a sports fan because we together could help us get out of this thing. But just wanted to open up with that, saying that the extension of Phase 2 does have athletic ramifications and we need Phase 3 to see the, you know, the pigskin flying, so to speak. And we're hopeful that that'll be the case. Some Nichols news. Nichols has named its new athletic director and... Um, Shout out to Nichols, man. Nichols got this one right. Jonathan uh, Terrell is the new director of athletics at Nichols State University. Uh, Jonathan, JT, as he's, as he's known, as I'm, I'm going to call him that throughout the, the rest of this segment. JT is a former Nichols football player, former Nichols quarterback, former Nichols coach, high school coach in the area, coached at Vanderbilt for a little while. JT is motivated, passionate, um, loves the university, loves uh the colonels and loves the area he's going to be able to rub elbows and raise money because that's what he's done primarily in the last couple of years as a booster and you know the president of several different clubs on campus grand slam home run hire you liken this to when tim rebo made the decision to come and take the Nichols head football coaching job leaving ul lafayette you liken this to hiring a Richie Riley who reinvigorated and re-sparked the men's basketball program. You liken this to hiring a Doobie Plaisance to coach the women's basketball team or whatever you know other example you want to use. Nichols is a university that time and time again athletically has proven that though there are disadvantages 
yes though the facilities are maybe a little lacking yes though there are some uh you know different cuts and everything that have hurt the university yes if you hire passionate people who are passionate about the area passionate about the university passionate about our community who could rally that same support and inspiration in other people you could get a lot of stuff done and jt is going to get a lot of stuff done uh, he's inheriting an athletic program that has made great progress in the last decade. When I, you know, got back into this area out of college, um, Nichols was non-competitive in most sports. They were non-competitive in football, non-competitive in baseball. Men's basketball was stagnant. Women's basketball was atrocious. Softball was not very good. Now they're competitive in just about everything, and competitive in the form of uh, winning conference championships, like highly competitive, nationally competitive. So. JT's taking over an athletic program that is in good shape. He's going to be able to take it to that next level, and I fully expect him to do a wonderful job. Kudos to the search committee. Kudos to everybody in the hiring process, everyone involved, for making the right choice. Jonathan Taro is the right choice to be the Nichols AD. I applaud them. I salute them. They got this one right. LSU got one right today. Uh, the LSU football team continued their recruiting momentum continue to fight forward and, and continue to show that they have national muscles now. They've got a commitment from 2021 offensive tackle Garrett Dellinger, the number 32 overall player in the country, is by some accounts a five-star prospect, six foot six, 270 pounds from Michigan. He's the number two player in the state of Michigan, and LSU got him, pulled him away from the Wolverines. So... Uh, Garrett Dellinger is the new LSU football commitment. Uh, chose LSU over Michigan and Ohio State. May be a little bit of a chore to keep him committed all the way through to signing day. But LSU now is, their next recruiting class is looking good, man. A lot of the Louisiana dominoes haven't yet fallen. But they've got commitments from uh, the number five outside linebacker in the country from California. Number six offensive tackle in the country from Michigan. A quarterback, number 13 quarterback from Texas, number six athlete from Texas, number eight defensive end from Texas. They're going into Ohio. They've got a running back from Ohio, going into Atlanta, Georgia, getting an outside linebacker there. LSU, again, without the Louisiana dominoes falling yet, are showing that they could go and get and sustain themselves around the country. Now, I think that they're going to round out a lot of their class. They have, let me count them here. Uh, let's see, two, four, six eight, 10, 12 commitments for the 2021 class. So they've got more than a dozen spots, about 13, 14 spots left. I think that the rest of the class is going to be very Louisiana laden. Uh, but the fact that they could go and patch up some other needs in other areas and be a national brand now shows the power of winning a national championship, shows the power of Ed Ogeron's recruiting efforts and recruiting uh, prowess. And it feels good to be an LSU fan knowing that your roster is never going to be lacking for talent. Your roster is never going to be hurting for, you know, positions of need. And it's exciting. It's exciting. And I just certainly hope that we're able to um, actually get football in. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, what a shame it would be if we were have to miss out on such a wild and, 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 and prosperous time in what is now the, the, the history of LSU uh, football. Because they're doing so many good things. And Coach O just, just keeps lining them up and, and continues to keep the cupboard full. And this goes back to the, the argument that we've made every time this has come up is that 
and you know so many people were critical of Ed and so many people didn't think he could get the job done and my argument always was from the very beginning it was that even if it doesn't work out he's going to recruit well and he's going to keep the roster full and that's exactly what we're seeing except that it is working out so now you've got a talented roster and you've got um you know a roster that's winning and fulfilling you know it's it's its obligations to competing in the SEC. So it's been exciting to see. Major League Baseball. God bless him. We have made fun of Major League Baseball here uh, on this show heavily. <laughs> uh, we've been very hard on Major League Baseball. One of my most infamous rants has been on Major League Baseball and how selfish the negotiations with, between the owners and the players had gotten. They have a deal. 60 regular season games. We will have a season. This is agreed upon. 60 regular season games is going to start in late July, July 23rd or 24th. Spring training will start on July 1st. The trade deadline will be on August 31st. A couple of extra little wrinkles here. Major League Baseball has agreed. First off, the 60 games will be prorated, uh, full prorated. The players wouldn't have played without it. Um, so 60 games, players are going to make. Uh, you do the math, that's roughly... Uh, about you know 30 some odd percent of their salaries um so a couple of wrinkles universal dh so national league is going to have a designated hitter um and every extra inning will start with a runner on second base so whereas the nba i think dropped the ball um and and did not kind of change things up i think the nba had an opportunity to use their restart to maybe tinker a little bit and go to maybe a World Cup playoff format or a 1 through 16 no conference format. They had a chance to tinker and experiment, and I think they dropped the ball in not doing it. Baseball saying, you know what, this is a lost year. Give us every gimmick. We're going to see what works and what doesn't. And I applaud them for that. I think that's a good decision. Universal DH, extra inning games, will start with a runner at second base. Why not? It's worth a shot. Um, there's going to be some COVID-specific regulations. Rosters are going to start the season huge. Teams are going to be able to carry, I think, 35 players. Then they're going to be cutoff points where the rosters are going to have to shrink and shrink and shrink. And then by the time we get towards postseason time, rosters are going to be refined and tweaked down to 25. I'm okay with that. There's no minor leagues, so why not use more players, have more players available to you. I think that's a good thing. And there's also going to be a COVID-specific um, uh, um, disabled list. It's easy for me to say. Uh, there's going to be a COVID-specific disabled list where you're going to be able to, if a player tests positive, put them on the COVID DL. They're going to be out a certain number of dates or whatever, and then they'll be able to get back to action. So Major League Baseball, mid-July, late July, July 23rd, 24th, we're going to be playing 60-game season. Um, I think it'll be very interesting to hear RC, uh, I think fans are going to like the shortened season a little more than what baseball is going to like the shortened season. Uh, players want to play more games because they make more money playing more games. Uh, but I think fans are going to like the urgency. I think fans are going to like that you know the games are going to mean more. And I'm going to be curious to see what this will mean for the sport's future. Um, talk a little bit of WWE here. Then I'm going to make my PGA Tour picks. And then I'm going to take your questions. Um, WWE is building towards their next pay-per-view, which is Extreme Rules, which is a full month from now, July the 19th, be at the Performance Center in Orlando. Uh, two matches are announced, one which I think is a good match and a good idea, the other which I think is an awful idea, and we'll kind of 
go from there and start, I guess, with the bad idea. Um, when you're having a pay-per-view, you want attractions. You want doubt. You want the possibility of the impossible to happen. You want the possibility of your world championship title to change hands. Um, you know, we see title defenses on Monday Night Raw. The title never changes hands on Monday Night Raw. 99.9% of title matches on Raw end with the champion holding and maintaining and retaining his title. Pay-per-views should be not 50-50, but more like 75-25. You should go in having an idea what you think might happen, but there's going to be that little twinge in the back of your mind thinking, hey, I, I don't know, maybe they are going to change directions. Drew McIntyre is going to take on Dolph Ziggler for the WWE Championship. That's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. In the year 2020, Dolph Ziggler is a jobber. He is a guy that puts over other talent. Hell of a worker. And I'm not saying that the match with Drew McIntyre won't be exciting. But there is a 100, 100% chance that Drew McIntyre is going to win that match. No one in the world thinks that there is even an iota of a chance that Dolph Ziggler will be the WWE Champion. No one. So why are you doing the match on pay-per-view? Why should I... Now granted, I have WWE Network, so I'm going to be paying for it regardless. But if I'm on the fence, why should I invest my money into a match where the outcome is 100% certain? And the answer is you shouldn't. That's the same reason why no one's going to buy into the build for this match. And Raw ratings aren't going to be great. Because everyone knows that Dolph Ziggler is not going to win. It, it, you know, it's just, it is what it is. He's not going to win. He's going to put on a show. They're going to work for 15 minutes. There's going to be some high spots. He's going to be bumping all over the place. He's going to do crazy things. He's going to sacrifice his body. And then Drew McIntyre is going to kick him in the face and the match is going to end. There's no reason to, there's no drama involved. It's going to be a stunt show. And stunt shows are cool. But I like the uncertainty of knowing who's going to win a little bit more than a stunt show. I think that's bad booking. That's a match that we could have seen on Monday Night Raw, quite frankly. And it does nothing to entice me to want to buy a pay-per-view knowing that that's going to be one of the headline matches. The second match, I think is tremendous. Asuka taking on Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks and Bayley are one of the best things in WWE right now, period. Any gender, any program, any show, period. Um, there's the... The athleticism in the ring, the competitiveness, the charisma. You want to hate them, but you want to love them because they're so good at being hated. Then there's that little teeny tiny grain of sand in the back of your mind where you're thinking Sasha's going to turn on Bailey. And we saw it teased again on Monday Night Raw where she started to challenge Bailey for a championship match. And then she said, I want to have two belts. And then she challenged Asuka. I would be fully supportive, though I don't think this is going to happen, I would be fully supportive of Sasha Banks winning this match and going over, and both Bayley and Sasha having two championships. I would be fully supportive of them kind of sweeping the title scene. You've got Charlotte Flair, who's out with an injury. You've got Becky Lynch, who's out with pregnancy. Um, there's no two better women competitors than, than Bayley and Sasha. And to maybe build towards a winner-take-all match at Wrestlemania perhaps or whatever however they want to do it I don't think that, Sa that Sasha's going to go over I don't think they're going to do that 
Um, but I think that that's good booking. It's exciting. It's intriguing. It makes me want to watch. I think that's going to be a great match. And it's, hey, it's it's not Nia Jax wrestling for a championship. So I think that that's even more entertaining as well, just to not have to see her look her, uh, herself around a ring during a pay-per-view for a championship in a high-stakes match. The best thing that WWE is doing right now is with Randy Orton. And I've been critical of Randy Orton here on this show said that I thought he was a little bit overrated. Um, didn't think he could pull off a great match with Edge. I was wrong, and they did. Um, tremendous match. And the, the reason why I was critical of Randy Orton, and I said it in previous episodes, was I didn't know what he was. I didn't know if he was a heel or a babyface. And he did heel stuff, but the RKO was used as like a trick or like a, a cheat code. And because of that, the fans liked it. And it was he was not convincing as a heel. He was not dastardly, but he wasn't doing babyface stuff. Um, so that was why I, I kind of had lost favor with him. Guess what? Now Randy Orton's a heel. He's a stone-cold heel. He's a stone-cold killer. He's the legend killer again. I loved the match with Edge. I loved the next Monday, um, you know, him punting Christian in the head, getting the help from Ric Flair. Anytime you could use Ric Flair in something, that's always great. I love the fact that he's probably going to fight the big show here this next pay-per-view and go over him. And I hope that he turns on Ric Flair and punts him in the head, and that's how this ends as well. Don't know that they'll go that far, but if you're going to embrace being the, the dastardly heel and the legend killer, take it all the way and hit the biggest legend in the head with the, with the boot. I think that'd be great. So WWE is just kind of building. Uh, two Monday nights ago, I thought they had the best Raw of the year. Uh, that was the Raw right after Backlash. I thought it was the best Raw of the year. Uh, last Monday, yeah, it was just okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. Um, but I think the product as a whole is getting better. AEW is helping to uh, show WWE that, hey, man, there's, there's a little competition in town. you got to up your game. Uh, we're going to watch AEW Dynamite tonight. We're going to talk about that episode in the next show. Same with AEW. I thought two Wednesdays ago they had a really good show. I thought last Wednesday they didn't have a very good show. Um, but we're going to keep tra tracking both brands, keep following both brands. And now we're going to um, move into something that is a little more fun for a wider scale of people. We're going to talk about some betting, and then we're going to take your questions, and then we're going to wrap up. I've been giving golf picks here now on the show for the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, I did awful. Last week, I didn't do much better. Uh, but as I've emphasized many times, it's difficult to pick golf. <laughs> so we're going to try our best. Last week, I told you that your shark was Bryson DeChambeau, and he finished tied for eighth. That's not bad. Pretty good result. I told you that your sleeper was Jason Day, and he missed the cut woefully. And I told you that your champion would be John Rahm. John Rahm, guess what? Spoiler alert, he was not your champion. But he did make the cut. He finished tied for 33rd. Um, so, you know, we, we hit on one, missed on the other two. We're going to try again this week. We've got the Travelers Championship. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the Travelers Championship out in Cromwell, Connecticut. A lot of players have withdrawn because of COVID. Uh, so curious to see how that looks. And whenever I say players are withdrawing with COVID, the reports are that caddies are the ones testing positive for COVID and players are withdrawing because they wouldn't have their caddy. Um, so <clears throat> something to keep an eye on. 
But the field is loaded, man. There's some really good players, really good talent in the field. So we're going to go ahead and pull up our sports betting site so we can get you your betting odds. And then we'll tell you your shark, your sleeper, and your champion here in the upcoming PGA Tour event. I can't tell you how awesome it is to watch live sports on television again. It's been a while, but finally we're we're back to to where we need to be, back to a point where we're able to, to do some things again. Your shark for this week. Shark, of course, is defined as your top-tier player, your name-brand player, who I think is not necessarily going to win, but who is going to have a good showing for himself this week. I'm going to go with Rory McIlroy. I think Rory McIlroy is going to have a good week. Number one player in the world. Sounds like a you know a cheap way to go, but I'm not picking him to win. I think he's going to have a good week. Rory's 11-1 to to win the tournament. He is, let's see, 2.5-1 to to finish in the top five. I think those are great odds. I would take the 2.5-1 to for Rory to finish in the top five this week. And 11-1, to to be honest with you, to win is pretty good odds as well. I like Rory McIlroy as your shark this week, your player that is kind of uh, the powerhouse who I think is going to live up to the billing. Your sleeper, I think your sleeper this week is Kevin Na. Kevin Na is 125-1 to to win this tournament, but he's been playing some pretty good golf lately. I think Kevin Na is a good player, better than 125-1. to If you played this tournament 125 times, Kevin Na would win it at least once. If you got a dollar or two lying around in a sports betting account, put it on Kevin Na to win. If you, if you, you know, if he does pull through and wins the tournament, and you're going to get a big, big, big return. Kevin Na is my sleeper this week and my champion. The guy I'm picking to bring it home. I'm going to go with. Let's see. I'm going to go with my shark from last week. He's been playing very well. Give me Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson DeChambeau is 11 to 1. Been playing so well. He's so big and so strong. Uh, give me Bryson DeChambeau to win the Travelers Championship this week. So those are your golf picks. We enjoy doing those every week. Look forward to continuing to do those throughout the rest of the summer. Now, we're going to take your sports-related questions, and then we're going to wrap up the show. Another very good show. I thank you guys so, so much for the time. Thank our guests so, so much for the time. But here are our sports-related questions. Number one, do you think the NBA can complete its bubble plan with cases rising in Florida? Well, in theory, it doesn't matter what's happening around you as long as no one's able to penetrate that bubble. So, in theory, it should work. Now, do I think that they're going to have no issues? No, I don't think that. I think that, that there are going to be issues. Do I think that... You know, it's going to be a disaster. No, I don't. I think that they'll be able to pull it off. Um, but the, the fact that there are cases in Florida is beside the point uh, because they're going to be isolated. They're going to be in a bubble. They won't be able to leave. There's going to be constant testing. So there shouldn't be a rapid spread in the actual area that they're going to be inhibiting uh, or, or, you know, invading in Orlando. So, yes, I think that they're going to be able to do it. And quite frankly, I think it's the safest way to do it. Now, probably going to be the least popular way to do it because players aren't going to like being locked up and not being able to leave a certain area but my god you're in disney world man you're gonna be able to find some ways to have some fun inside that bubble there are going to be restaurants and there are going to be some things that are going to be opened and um so i think that, that they're going to be okay and this is probably the most successful way to do things without issues number two is a great question and it's a question that i want to talk about do you support 
as we hear something passing down the street. Oh, a large tractor passing down the street. Hello, Mr. Tractor. Number two, do you support the sport reversal plan the LHSAA is flirting with? Uh, for those unfamiliar, the sport reversal plan is a plan that would take the sport seasons on the two tail ends, the spring and the fall, and flip them around so that whenever school would start in August, we would start with spring sports. The reason for that being spring sports, every one of them is non-contact. Baseball, softball, track and field, golf, and tennis. So that would then buy time for a vaccination. That would buy time for us to get into phase three. And then we'd play our winter sports, which would be basketball and some other different things in the winter. And we would play our fall sports in the spring. So football would take place in the spring. Um, do I support that? I think it would be okay. Um, it's not ideal, but I think it'd be okay. As opposed to the alternative, which would be having to cancel football. Yeah, I would support that more than having to cancel football. Um, here's the concern, and here's the red herring. Here's the question that is going to have to be answered, because without this question being answered, um, we can't go forward. Are the football seasons going to be condensed? Because they're going to have to be condensed. Whether you shrink your season from 10 down to 7 and play two seven-game seasons in a row, or no matter how you do it, you're going to have to condense the seasons because if you move the fall sports to the spring and then in the next school year just go right back to normal with fall and then spring, you would be asking high school football players to then play 20 varsity games at minimum, not counting playoffs, 20 varsity games at minimum in a one-calendar year period. And uh, from May or excuse me, from March, you know, February, March, to November, less than a calendar year, about six month period, and that's just too many games. So there would have to be a condensing of the seasons. There would have to be a push to, to shrink the total number of games in the two years. And if they could do that responsibly while also still making enough money to fund the other departments, um, I would support it. Wouldn't be ideal, but again, I'd rather two seven game seasons than just not having a season at all. So it is what it is. Number three, what happens if we don't get out of phase two? Would exceptions be made to allow football to be played? No. No. <laughs> the easiest, as I opened up this segment with, the easiest way forward is to get out of phase two. And the easiest way to get out of phase two is to do the things we're being you know, coached to do. And so, no, if we don't get out of phase two, there's not going to be football. Um, and that's just, that's just the reality of it. Number four, when will we see Tiger Woods again? I know you're a big fan. We're going to see him at the Memorial, uh, which is going to be coming up in about a month. I wish we would have seen him sooner than that. Um, Tiger's in a weird period, man. Like we're, I'm the biggest Tiger fan there is. He just can't play a lot anymore. Um, it just takes too much of a toll on his back. Not only can he not play a lot anymore, he can't play cool weather events. He can't play certain altitudes and certain you know conditions and and you know it, it's it's going to be rough he's going to be a better summertime player than what he's going to be an early season or late season player uh we're going to see him at the memorial i think barring some type of setback i wish he could have played sooner than that but he's just going to be extremely limited he's going to be the brock lesnar of the pga tour we're going to see him only every once in a while uh, but as long as he's able to do that and still be competitive that's fine the issue becomes is that can you still be competitive only playing a limited number of dates? And I guess that remains to be seen. 
Number five, where do you think five-star defensive lineman Mason Smith will end up? I have no idea. Um, I've been asked this question a lot. I don't have any inside information. I've told you before on this show, I think Mason's a great kid. Wherever he goes, he's going to go there because he's going to put a lot of thought into his decision. Um, I would like to say that with Ed Ogeron being a Bayou guy and a defensive line guy, that he would be able to secure Mason's services. But I know that he's also getting big-time offers from everybody. So LSU is going to have to outlast every single prominent program in the country for Mason. Now, will those Louisiana hard strings tug at Mason and keep him here? I hope so. Uh, but that remains to be seen. The answer is I would lean LSU, but I really don't know that with any certainty. Number six, do you think wrestling will ever get back to the peak days of the Monday Night Wars? <laughs> um, actually reading books about this right now. I'm reading a book. I've, here, I've gotten into a habit during the pandemic of reading something that I should have always been doing before the pandemic and just didn't. Shame on me for that. But I read a little bit every night, and I've completed actually four books in the last couple of months, which is good for me. I apologize for the distracting sound in the background. There are now two tractors that are parked right in front of me, some parish workers, and maybe going to be clearing out some of the ditches. But back to the question. I've been doing a lot of reading, and I'm reading a book right now called The Rise and Fall of WCW, which is, if you're a wrestling fan, probably the best wrestling book that I've ever read. Um, so entertaining. The the rise of, of the company and then some of the political things that caused the downfall of the company and some of the dynamics that led for the Monday Night Wars and some of the dynamics that you know were created at the time in the world. There's never going to be Monday Night Wars again. AEW may rise. AEW may become a legitimate number two, if not maybe even a number one someday, though I doubt it. But there's never going to be a climate again where we're going to see that much interest in the product, that much com competitiveness in the product. Wrestling goes in cycles, it, you know, it goes up and then down, and I do think that we're going to see some more positive periods and some upward, you know, inclines, but we're never going to see a peak like we saw again for the Monday Night Wars, at least I don't think so. Uh, so great question, but I, I, I'm hopeful. I would love to see it someday, but I don't think we're going to. I think Parish President Archie Shatz on so much for the time and also so much for sending these field workers to the street here to unclog the ditches in my area. I thank B.J. Young for the time. He's doing a great job at South Lafouge, guys. One of the biggest shames that would happen if we didn't have a football season was that B.J. wouldn't be able to work with his, with his kids. The, the kids love B.J., man. There's so many great reports. You could tell right away he's going to fit in wonderfully here. Uh, so keep doing the things you're being coached to do. If we could get out of Phase 2 and into Phase 3, we can maybe have us a football season. We can maybe have us you know, a normal fall but we've got some work yet to do, so please take care of yourself, take care of your neighbors, take care of each other. We're going to sign off. Go find us on iTunes, please. I cannot emphasize that enough. Go find us on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. We've surpassed 1,000 episode downloads, which humbles me. We're approaching 1,500 episode downloads, which humbles me. Um, our numbers are growing. I thank you guys so much for that. I was doing this just as a way to, to relieve stress. Now it's becoming an actual tool, something that our company is able to sell and maybe even make a little additional revenue with. So that's just a continuation of a dream, man. We're living the dream. So thanks to everybody for listening. You guys have a great rest of the week. We'll be back over the weekend. Casey Jesclair signing off. Keep it on LaFouche You've been listening to the Casey's Corner Podcast. God bless everybody.